Well, it is good to be with you again. Um, it rains in Roebuck every time I come. So um, if you like the rain, you're welcome. Um, if you don't like the rain, I had nothing to do with it. Um, so um, but we're glad to be here. Um, I'm glad to be here. Um, let me just begin by just kind of uh, giving a word about what we do, what I do, why I'm up here, why I'm here, why my name is listed on the back of the bulletin at the bottom. Uh, I'm Brian. Missy uh, could not be here. And I do um, RUFI at Clemson. And the I stands for international. So where RUF uh, reaches undergrads, um, we reach grad students. And at Clemson, there are about 2,000 international students from about 90 different countries, um, if you didn't know that. Um, and they come here to pursue master's degrees um, and PhDs. And um, we, while they are here away from family, away from friends, uh, away from things that are familiar, we uh, try to become a community that welcomes them um, and walks alongside them uh, in their uh, life. Um, we offer opportunities to explore Christianity and the gospel with them. And for those that are Christian, uh, which is a very small percentage, uh, we have the opportunity to equip them so that they leave not just with a degree from Clemson, but also hopefully some deeper roots in their faith um, and trust so that wherever God would send them out into this world that they will be faithful servants um, in that place. I didn't take this job because I had this wealth of experience doing international work. I'd actually never worked with internationals before. Um, I'd been on a couple of mission trips and, um, and yet this was what God um, called us to and, and I would just say that um, the work has just been so satisfying. Um, I've never met a, um, a more thankful and grateful group of individuals um, than I get to meet um, in working with these students. Um, they um, are older. Uh, they're not the young undergrads worried about a good time. They're um, uh, out of school with families thinking about uh, questions that really matter. Um, and so we get to just walk into their lives and and kind of be the big arms of Jesus. Um, we really are, um, for many of them, the very first Christian that they will ever meet. And so we, um, we want to love them and love them well. And the community that we, um, that we seek and we, we strive to have is one that uh, we hope is beautiful. And, um, and that, that maybe is why this passage uh, that I'm going to preach on today has been so um, meaningful to me. Um, and, and so we're going to look at this passage here in Luke um, in just a second. But I would just say in closing with, with regards to REFI, if, if, there is, if, if you're more interested in what we do or um, how um, you could help or how you could pray for us, I'd love to talk with you afterwards. I'm thankful for Roebuck, uh, your support, um, your support this last, the last gift that you gave just went to provide for a scholarship for a student um, to go to our big getaway at the end of the month. So 
um, it, um, it matters, and uh, it's, it's, it's helpful, and we're grateful, and um, we don't take it for granted. Um, so um, God is, is using your gifts and hopefully stretching them and multiplying them in ways that maybe one day in heaven we'll get to see um, how, how he does all of his, uh, his uh, heavenly math, uh, if you will. And, um, so. Um, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. And um, let, me, let me just kind of start this way. Um, I've been thinking about this passage a whole lot the last two months, y'all. And so there's just no, no telling what I'm going to end up saying this morning because it's, uh, it's just kind of done its own work in my own heart. Um, but uh, let me just kind of uh, uh, start this way. So in school, when I was growing up, um, there was this game, I guess you would call, this trick that we would play on unsuspecting younger kids. And we would walk up to them and we'd say, your epidermis is showing. And they didn't quite know what to do with that. And they would, you know, they would, look, it's showing. I can see it right now. It, it, you know, it's, just, it's a stupid trick. I get it. Um, and, of course, people that didn't know that epidermis was skin, you know, didn't really know how to respond um, and they could sometimes be really frightened and nervous and um, want to hide and things like that. Um, what if Jesus were to walk in here and he were to say, your self-righteousness is showing? That'd be, a, that'd be more serious. And I feel like over the last... I'll say two months, but it's, it's really been a lot longer. But he, it seems like for whatever reason these last two months, he's kind of zeroed in on this, this passage with me. And, um, and that's what he's been getting at, I feel like, and kind of shining the spotlight. He's been saying, Brian, your self-righteousness is showing. Um. A few weeks ago, I was out doing what many men love to do. I was grilling on my new Blackstone grill that was given to me at Father's Day. And I'm figuring out how to use those big spatulas. You know, I go to these restaurants where they use them, and they're doing all this. Kind of, I'm not there yet. I make a bigger mess than, um, than is there. But as I was cooking our food that night, my kind, gentle wife walked up. And she had some suggestions for how I could do it. Some of you laugh. You, you got that right away. I can't tell you exactly. I, I don't understand it all. But, but inside of me, I began to boil. Because she was telling me how to do something. But, but it, it goes a little deeper. The onion, if you keep peeling, it goes a little deeper. And that's what the joy of my life has been over the last few weeks, is, is seeing some of this. Um, and what I realized was, as I asked myself, why does that upset me so bad? 
I realize that she's trying to get her paws in my glory. You know what I mean? Like, this is my thing. People are going to say, I really enjoyed that meal, Brian. And if she's in here trying to get her paws in this, then it's not mine. That's terrible, isn't it? Well, in this passage, we're going to read some, some, some ugly stuff too. Um, there are several descriptions of Pharisees in the, um, in the New Testament. Matthew 23 may be the most extensive uh, kind of description of Pharisees, and it, it, it kind of begins with Jesus saying to them, um, He's talking to the, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. And he goes on for that whole chapter and will call them some, some pretty harsh things. Luke 7 this morning, I, 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 has, has opened my eyes um, to what has been ugly demonstrations of faith in my own life. And, um, and hopefully it, 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 will, it will begin to do a work in, in all of our lives, continue to do that. But Jesus is, is, is really concerned about this. He's really concerned about the life that the Pharisees live. Um, In that passage in Matthew, he says, everything you do is for people to see. And if you had asked someone in the uh, sect of religious Jews in that period of of Jesus um, about their purpose in life, they would have responded to obey God's law to obey God's word. And they were fervently committed to that, but also to projecting an image of outwardly being righteous in their conduct and in their public display of law-keeping. It garnered much respect from their contemporaries. And it solidified their, their role in the culture as, as these devout religious men. But if the Pharisees were as righteous as we are saying, as I'm saying, then why did Jesus refer to them as whitewashed tombs? Beautiful on the outside, but internally filled with death. Now, I don't know about you, but I am an approval suck. It is all I can do to trust the Lord to stand up here and not want you to like me instead of listening to the words of the Bible. I have been a very good Pharisee, and um, through my life, in, in Luke, uh, 
Jesus has already kind of gone toe-to-toe with the Pharisees as we kind of get to this passage. In chapter 5, they accuse Jesus of eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus responds to them, I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners, the needy. Luke chapter 6, the Jesus, Jesus is... Um, picked a fight again with the Pharisees, it seems, and he heals a man on the Sabbath. He gives him life on the Sabbath and restores his hand. And the Pharisees, it says, were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. And then in the verses right above the text that we're going to read today, Jesus rehearses or comes back to what he said or what was said in in chapter 5 when the Pharisees are trying to distance themselves from Jesus. And he says, I haven't forgotten what you said, your accusations and your judgments, when you said, for the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and you say, look at him a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's that's the environment that Jesus lives in. He is constantly going to battle with these people that have one eye on him all the time. These people that can look across a parking lot and see a speck in somebody's eye. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. The question that has been on my mind as we come to this passage is why on earth would Jesus accept an invitation to go to dinner at this guy's house? Because I think I'm safe in saying that none of us in this room, when I finish reading this passage, are thinking, I'd love to spend the afternoon with this Pharisee guy named Simon. Seems like a charming fella. But Jesus says, yeah, I'll go. Um, The Pharisees were extremely moral. But what happens when that is driven by a love for approval or to be seen. What happens when on Sunday we show up with all smiles and hallelujahs, but on Monday we treat people like dogs? The righteousness of a Pharisee was their performance and appearance before others. Their pursuit of righteousness was based on approval and praise of others. And in their pursuit of this self-righteousness, they were blinded um, and empty. And they failed to recognize who Jesus was. But Jesus saw through all their hypocrisy and he sees through mine. And I say with great humility that he sees through all of ours. proud of our theology, proud of our moral behavior, proud of our house and the Bible verses on the refrigerator, 
our bank account, that we give our 10%, our children because they are dressed and appropriately sitting, behaving themselves in church, et cetera, et cetera. I've been there. The reason I can spot these is because I, I got it. Listen, I grew up, I grew up in the church, and I was told all the time, you're a good kid, Brian. You know what? And I believed that. I believed it. I believed it, and then at a point some 35 years ago, I'm sitting in Bible studies, and I'm hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I had heard and sung and sat through so many times as I thought, and it was like I was taking a fresh drink of water because what I had learned is I had learned how to perform and my life was exhausting. And on my good days, it was good, but on my bad days, it was depressing. And I looked like this because it was about a treadmill and it was about what I did and it's how I saw people Seeing me. So, I looked in the mirror, still look in the mirror, and um, I see me. You know, when you look in the mirror, if your hair is messed up, you can kind of see it. Oh, my hair is out of place. You know, or your wife will say, oh, your hair, fix your hair, Brian, like my wife did this morning. But what if you had bad breath? Who's going to tell you that? Yeah, nobody. They just don't want to be around you. Well, let me read our story this morning, our passage, and then we'll just kind of go through it a little bit. I'm in Luke chapter 7, and I'm at verse 36. And this is what it starts. One of the Pharisees... Ask him, that's Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. When that happens, like, you better sit down. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, that's about a year and a half of wages, and the other 50, a month and a half of wages. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. 
Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, get this in your mind, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let me pray. God, as we jump into this text now, I pray that you would open our eyes to see, that you would open our ears to hear. God, that you will graciously, gently, I would certainly prefer point out what we need to know what we need to see, and what needs to change. We pray it in your name. Amen. Why would Jesus walk straight into the lion's den? I I got a bunch of theories, but I think the one that I think is right, um, And I think he had an appointment there. I think he had an appointment with a woman who needs to show her love and an appointment with a man who needs to see his sin. Um, Blaise Pascal, some of you may know that name. He says this. He's a French... Um, religious philosopher, a mathematician, and a physicist, as if those weren't enough. Um, it says this, people almost invariably arrive at, the, their, at, the beliefs, at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. People come to believe what they believe usually not on the basis of proof, but on what is attractive. I think that Christianity is attractive. I think think in its purest form, it is beautiful. And I think that in this passage, we see some things that Jesus intends to do. And of, of all of that, I think he wants to leave 
this religious Pharisee. I mean, after all, what is attractive about his life? I mean, if, if, why would he choose to be a Pharisee? Here, here's a theory. Here's, here's a thought. Because he could do it. He could be moral. He could be kind. He could be good. He could be polite. He could read. He, could, he was smart enough that he could comprehend and, and, and get the knowledge and, and all of those things. For him, it was doable. So it was attractive. But what about for people who can't do it, who don't have the resources, whose life has been messed up, who, who, who are full of shame and who are full of guilt, and every trick they turn is a reminder of just how far away from God they are. What's their option? If you're good and well-adjusted in this world, you can kind of do it. What's going to change that? What's going to change that self-righteous doing attitude? I think it's something beautiful. Something more beautiful than what you've chosen. So here's what I want to do. I just want to, I just want to share four things that I think that are beautiful about this passage. Because if you're sitting there and you're kind of going, okay, I, that's, that's me, then what you need to do is you need, you need this exchange to happen where you see that it's not as attractive to do it on my own, but there's another way. There's something more beautiful. So, so here, here's the first thing I'll say that's beautiful about Jesus in this passage. He goes to the party. He shows up at this place where he knows he's going to get judged and critiqued and all of these things. But he does it because he cares. I mean, go back and flip through the New Testament Gospels, and look how much time Jesus spends with the religious crowds. Why does he do that? In some sense, it's, it's what we do with the international students. We provide a place where, where these students can come in a community, and, and our hope is that when they come, they'll go, something smells different here. It's actually, I like that smell. It's an aroma that's, that's pleasing and attractive. Hmm, this feels comfortable. This feels, I feel like, I feel like these people kind of care about me. I feel like what our goal is, and, and part, of, part of the opportunity that we have is, is to, to be a beautiful community. I've seen it repeatedly with these students that anytime they want to take a step towards Jesus, they've taken a step toward this community and they kind of begin to see this community and that community nudges them on to say, hmm, well, I've not ever experienced anything. What's that all about? Jesus is concerned about that. He's concerned about that, that beauty in, in a community and he's concerned that these religious 
people, these Pharisees, are missing it. They're missing the beauty. So he provides this opportunity. An opportunity for this woman to show her love. And doesn't she do that? I mean, I mean, the, the scene is, is really uh, shocking. She is in this room that, that had tables that were low to the ground. The food would come and be served, and it was kind of in a U-shape, and they would put the, table, the food on the table, and they would lean on a cushion, and they would eat with their other hand, so their feet would be out near the, the walls, and in those days, an event like that was, was semi-public or, or semi-private or whatever, which meant that the public could actually come. And they could stand along the walls with the servants. And possibly, maybe after it was over, there would be food left and they could get some of that or they might actually have an opportunity to talk to somebody. And when you had one of these events and you had somebody important like a rabbi that would show up, the minimal thing you would do is you would wash their feet and greet them with a kiss. And so this woman comes in with her alabaster jar of perfume around her neck, which as a woman of the city, a woman of the night, most likely, she may not have been, but he doesn't, Luke doesn't say exactly, but, but she was a sinner. And this perfume around her night was her identity, if you will, that would have cost her a pretty penny. It's broken. And why is it broken? We know it's broken because this man has changed her life. And she has now come to demonstrate that love and pour it out upon him. And she stands behind him weeping with her tears on his feet. That'll get your attention. Certainly had Simon's. But what does she do next? She lets down her hair, and if you will, you know, flash through movies, you know, when the female character does her hair like that, it's usually, you know, hey, this is who I am. In that day, that was, that was as scandalous as you could get for a woman to let down her hair and then to mess with Jesus' feet. So you can begin to see this, this picture. And Jesus does not interrupt it. He lets it happen. Simon sees it. I think Jesus goes to this party for Simon, and he goes for this woman. He gives this woman a place to express her love, much like you coming to church this morning. You can come to church to be seen, to check off a box, to fill a resume, to submit to God. Hey, I did church today. Now take care of this week for me. Or you can come to church because you love. Because you have been loved. You see, you see there's, a, there's a difference there. And Jesus wants to lay this before them. So I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that he comes, there's appointment there, and he knows that this, this is going to happen. He knows all this is going to happen. And Simon sees it. And what does he do? He does what we 
Pharisees and religious people do, we murmur and mumble under our breath. We roll our eyes. Can you see it? I can see it looking right in the mirror because I see it all the time. Has your spouse ever said, do you realize how much you roll your eyes? I mean, it's telling you, I mean, I play that part and Jesus wants me to see something in this passage. I think he does that because twice in this passage it talks about looking. It starts in verse 37 and he says, Behold. You know what behold means? Look. See this. Don't miss this. And then it describes the woman. And then down in verse 44... He turns towards the woman, and what does he say? Do you see this woman? He's looking right at the woman. She's, it's been a long time since she's been looked at like that. He's looking at her. Somehow, I think that, that communicates to her, and he's actually going to say it. He's going to give her some assurance He's going he's gonna to tell her it's, it's good. But his eyes, are on, his eyes are on the woman, but his eyes are on Simon right now because he wants Simon to see this woman. Why does he want him to see this woman? Why does Jesus, another beautiful thing, why does Jesus stand right in the middle of this hostility? And he affirms her but he addresses Simon. He says, do you see her? Why does Jesus want us to see this woman? I think he wants us to see beautiful. I think he wants us to see the thing that we long for in our life. But Simon can't see it. Do you know why Simon can't see it? Because he's too busy looking at himself. <laughs> he can't see this woman. He, he, you know, if he had just said, hmm, I wonder why she's doing all that, that would have changed the whole trajectory of the story. If when she's doing it, if he had thought, hmm, wonder why she's responding that way to him. But he didn't. He just saw scandal. Because it's all about exteriors for him you got to look good, and that looks bad, and you're in my house amongst my friends. But he sends this woman away with a new identity. She's no longer a woman of the city. She's a child and daughter of God. But what happens to Simon? We don't know what happens to Simon. But Jesus knows that if you miss that love... If you miss that demonstration of love, there's a good chance you're going to miss a greater demonstration of love that's coming. And maybe what Jesus is doing to Simon, and maybe why he's saying, look at this woman, see this woman, to that whole crowd that's sitting there, is he's saying, 
Don't miss the love that's right before you. And while he's talking about the woman, he may also be talking about himself. Because in just a little while, you may miss the greatest demonstration of love and acceptance that's going to be performed. I think that's what Jesus would say. I think he wants us to see something that's beautiful. I was talking with my mom actually on the way up here. She was telling me about a class that she's got to teach and and how it's about doing good. And we got into this long discussion, and I said, Mom, I said, what are you more drawn to? I mean, who would you spend the time with? I mean, do you want to spend time with Simon? You know, I'm sorry. Jesus, good for you. I, I would not want to waste my afternoon. I mean, I've been made to feel lowly all a lot of times in my life. And I don't like that. I don't like the, the eyes of judgment looking at me. But to have the eyes of Jesus on me, that's another thing. And to have this woman who, who gets it. Who, 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 who's, she's at the beginning of the journey, but she sees something. And what she sees is her need. The whole point of this parable are there two debtors. Neither of them could pay. And he says, which one would love more? And Simon says it, the one with the bigger debt. And Jesus says, you're right. Do you see the problem? (laughs) Do you see the problem? And when he shows him this woman... The other thing that he's doing is Simon is no longer the best person in the room. And you know what? For a Pharisee, that is a killer. (laughs) To know that you failed and you didn't perform, you've you've just been exposed. And it's in that crack that the love of Jesus can shine in. I don't know what happens to Simon, but I know that the things that I've seen in my life that were beautiful, they're not easily forgotten. My wife walked down that aisle on my wedding day. That's not forgotten. Beautiful word that has been spoken, it's not forgotten. And I think that's what Jesus would want us to see this morning. Have you forgotten how beautiful Jesus is? Maybe, maybe you don't see your debt. Maybe you've never seen your debt. Maybe for you it's always been about keeping up appearances, running the treadmill. And maybe you need to keep running until you realize that's not going to work. But if, if you've come to that place, then there's one that says, come here. Come to me and find rest. 
rest from your performance. And trust me. And that response to that will be extravagant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, a picture of extravagant love in this passage, but we thank you for the extravagant love that you're going to demonstrate, that you have demonstrated that we know of on the cross and the life that you give us through your resurrection. God, would you open our eyes to see beautiful? Would you change us from being picky Pharisees and arrogant and proud just as we live? Would you change us? And would you once again reveal to us just how beautiful and attractive the free gospel is? In your name I pray. Amen. I guess we're going to sing. Is that right? Yep. Hymn 644. May the mind of Christ my Savior. Singing one, two, four, and five. So would you stand and sing?